0: Well, I think you ought to be careful how you treat members of your youth group. You may work for them someday, so it's a very dangerous thing. Please turn in your Bibles to John 15, verses 18 through 25. And I'd like to talk to you today about the way things are supposed to be. With lunch coming soon, how many would, would love to have a nice can of sardines? You say, they're slimy. I say, they're supposed to be slimy. Potato chips are supposed to be crunchy. It would be wrong if potato chips were slimy, would it not? Pudding is slimy, but you like that but you're sitting there today thinking, you don't like sardines. So I wanna know, what do you have against sardines? They raise your HDL, that's the good cholesterol, they say, high density lipoproteins, and that's supposed to be good for you. My son and I each bought an antique motorcycle to restore. Basically, it was a pile of parts for each of us. But it had our name, called a Cushman Motor Scooter, both from the year 1959. And we spent lots of time and lots of money restoring these motorbikes. I'm not done with mine. We got his done, and finally, we heard the engine go for the first time. It sounded like a sick, Harley Davidson. Blap, 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 kind of like that. I said to Pete, is that how it's supposed to sound? He said, yeah, that's how it's supposed to be. I had a mission group in an an Asian country. Had a number of students with me, and and, uh, we were all doing some English teaching. And we were on one of the weekend trips. They always did real special things for us. And this particular trip, they said we're going to go to uh, celebrate the uh, festival of the water dragon. So I said, "Yeah, that's great. That sounds excellent." So we got in the tour bus and we headed out toward this. And you know, I just thought we'd be going to a museum and looking at some various things that they have that are um, maybe statues or who who knows what. Maybe there'd be a parade. Well, just before we got there, the tour guide said, now, uh, some of you may get wet. All right, everybody, get a plastic bag, put your wallet in the bag, put it in your pocket, put your phone in, your, in that bag, we're going to get soaked. And actually, it was the biggest water fight you have ever seen in your life, the whole city was there. They had water cannons, everybody had buckets and super soakers, and we were the targets. It was awesome. One of the best things we ever did. Once we understood that this was the way it was supposed to be, we were fine. Towards the end of John's Gospel, he provides us with a series of instructions from Jesus related to the future. Jesus is about to be crucified. He'll rise from the dead victorious, providing eternal salvation for all who believe. But soon after this, he will ascend to heaven to the right hand of God the Father and will be leaving his disciples behind to fend for themselves in a big bad world where they're supposed to preach the gospel from Jerusalem until the ends of the earth, all without Jesus physically present. Chapters 13 through 17 are designed to prepare the disciples for this drastic change. They don't want Jesus to go away. How could leaving them be better for them, as Jesus said? So Jesus helps them to understand that when the Spirit comes, they will experience the presence of Jesus even better than they had in the past three years. Jesus says in John 14, 18, I will not leave you comfortless. And that term comfortless can be translated and is often translated as orphans. Think about being an orphan. Orphans often deal with a sense of abandonment. My mother was an orphan. She grew up in an orphanage all of her life. This won't happen, however, with Jesus' plan. So let's talk about the big bad world that Jesus describes throughout John's gospel. John uses the term world 78 times in his gospel. It shows up in every single chapter except chapter 2, chapter 5, chapter 5, 19 and 20 now it's a tricky term since it can actually refer to three different categories one the people of the world John 3:16 right for God so loved the world it's talking about people it could also refer to the planet John 21, verse 25 talks about if all the things were recorded that Jesus did and said and they were written up in books, even the world, the planet, could not contain all of those things. But then most characteristic of John's use of cosmos, the world, he talks about the world system. And that's what we're looking at today. He also deals with the world Extensively in 1 John, he tells us there to not love the world, neither the things that are in the world. But then John wraps things up for us in Revelation, which is an extensive prophecy on how God will ultimately deal with the world system. He will crush it. Now, if you look at human history... It appears that the world system always wins. We get to Revelation, we find out. God will bring it all into judgment. Let's read the text today. If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world... Therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin. But now they have no cloak for their sin. He that hateth me hateth my father also. If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not had sin. But now have they both seen and hated both me and my father. But this cometh to pass, that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law, They hated me without cause. So, looking at this text, I think we see three things. Three questions are answered. Why does the world hate believers so much? And then, why does the world persist in trying to destroy believers? Why don't they just leave believers alone? And then, what effect the coming of Jesus had on the world for you and I. The passage is structured by three sets of conditional sentences. So we start with the first. Why the world hates believers so much. If the world hates you, ye know that it hated me before It hated you. Now, when you see if there, you think, well, maybe that's like a possibility. But it's actually giving the idea of when something is going to to happen. Because verse 19 clearly establishes this as a reality. It says here, If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. So that's a reality for all faithful followers of Jesus Christ. Now you say, well, what about my neighbors, my unsaved friends? Do they all hate me? Remember, we're talking about the world system. And I think that the scriptures clearly teach, you know, you think about the second great commandment, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, the scriptures clearly teach that we are to make friends of those people around us and hopefully in an effort to share the gospel uh, with them. But realize this, realize this, if they hate Jesus, they will hate you. Now, the world hates Jesus. And when I say that, I'm talking about the biblical Jesus. Because the world loves the Jesus of its own making. Think about Hindus. They love Jesus. They, they say he was a great guru. He was so meditative. And, and perhaps he was even an avatar of Vishnu, one of the major gods of, of Hindu faith. billion Hindus today love that Jesus. It's a false Jesus. Muslims love Jesus because he's only a prophet. In fact, Muhammad is a greater prophet. So 1.8 billion Muslims love that Jesus, a false Jesus. The Jesus of Mormonism is a spirit child of the Father, just like The rest of us, he's just further along. And then I think about the Jesus of pop culture today. Some of the ads that we've seen uh, on uh, television and the Super Bowl and so forth present Jesus as a refugee, Jesus as an activist, Jesus as the greatest inclusivist who ever lived. They have made Jesus into their own image in acceptable terms of the culture. That is not the biblical Jesus. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. Jesus, however, chose you out of the world. And now you are connected to Christ. You left the world system, so they hate you for it. Imagine if you were a gang member, maybe in one of the major cities of the United States, say L.A., and you're part of this gang, and you've, you have bought into the, the gang and what they do, all that comes with that, and you decided to leave the gang, do you think that would go well with you, with the gang? Would they let you do that? Would they let you leave? And that's what happens. Jesus chose you out of the world, and the world cannot let that happen. Now, there are only two systems of thought. I think we need to clarify what the world is. There's no middle ground. So if we were to say, in, in this category over here, here's Jesus and his followers, this would be the regenerate, uh, category all people that have come to Christ and have been regenerated they're born again And then you have in this container over here the world it it's it's vast and it it's varied It's got all kinds of things that are in it uh, It's got atheists in it and then it's got the most religious in it Those being just subsets of the bigger thing called The world. Remember, the term cosmos may refer to people, or it may refer to the planet upon which we live, or it may refer to the system of thought that opposes Christ and His gospel. So here we're talking about the world system. It's got room for every imaginable thing, but there's one thing that that it that binds it all together. It is anti-Jesus. Now, there's fighting within this world over here, intramural fighting, we could say. Let me give you two examples that show that this is the case, one from the Bible and one from the modern world. First one from the Bible, we have Pilate and Herod. Remember, Herod's the king of Israel. Pilate is the governor, the Roman governor, and they were sworn enemies But on the day of Jesus' crucifixion, what happened? They became close friends. And then an example from the modern era, Islam. Think about woke culture and all that's involved in it. Think about its effort to grant equality to, to women, however misguided much of that is. And then think about Islam and what is so common in various nations where Islam is predominant and all the restrictions on women. For instance, no ability to choose a husband, lack of polygamy rights. I'm not advocating for polygamy at all here, but um, a woman in these cultures is not allowed to have four husbands, but the, the, the opposite is true. A uh, woman not being able to initiate a divorce, maybe not able to ga- have a passport, mandatory veiling, women barred from working, women barred from education, female inheritance, a son gets twice as much as a daughter, driving rights in many cultures where they're not allowed to drive and, and, and so forth. Uh, if there's a a, a murder case, it takes two women as witnesses to, make, to be equivalent to a man to convict a murderer. And the woke culture squabbles about that, this a little bit, but, but that's it. And they attack Christians with all their might, so they give Islam a pass. The world rejects the Jesus of the Bible along with the teaching of the Bible. Christian ideas must be squashed because they threaten the ruler of the world system, Satan. The devil's fundamental tactic against Jesus is to silence Christians. He uses all kinds of methods to silence believers, but is never quite capable of accomplishing it. But it's okay. Jesus tells us that because that's the way it's supposed to be. And then Jesus gives a transition. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. And so everything that could happen to Jesus in this world, we can expect that that will happen to believers. Point two. Why the world cannot leave believers alone? If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. So how did the world persecute Jesus? Well, they mocked him. They used every dirty trick that they could possibly come up with against him. They turned his own family against him. They attempted to humiliate him through trick questions at every turn. They executed his best friend, John the Baptist. They got Judas to betray him, and they executed Jesus as a criminal. The world will never go along with the truth of God's word. They do all these things on the account of the name of Christ and the one who sent him. And if they persecuted Jesus, they will persecute you and me. Let's take a look at persecution over the centuries. From A.D. 33 to 1900, Justin Long documented 14 million Christian martyrs in the world. And in the previous century, 1900 to 2000, 26 million documented Christian martyrs in that century alone. Seems like things might be getting worse. What about persecution today? On average, every day, 13 Christians are killed for their faith. 12 churches or Christian buildings are attacked. 12 Christians are unjustly arrested, detained, or imprisoned. And five Christians are abducted for faith-related reasons. In the 21st century, it's still not possible to practice religion or belief safely. So, what's the point? Why can't the world just leave believers alone? It's because believers alone have the message that can deliver souls from the grip of the devil in this world system. They are the only threat to the world system. Now, what effect the coming of Jesus had on the world? If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin, but now they have no cloak for their sin. He that hateth me hateth my Father also. So they can't say, the world can't say, "Well, we love God. We're monotheists as if that's something that is acceptable. A Jesusless theology is a false theology. And Jesus came, and he presented himself. He spoke to this world. So now the world has no excuse for their sin. He did works among them who established his identity. He made the blind to see, the deaf made to hear, lepers cleansed, lame men, lame individuals made to walk, fed the multitudes, calmed the storm, walked on water, cast out demons, raised the dead, and all of these things. And yet he was rejected of men despised forsaken it says here quoting Psalm 69 4 they hated Jesus without a cause but it's okay because that's the way it's supposed to be so why does the world hate, hate believers so much because believers are connected to Jesus, and they hated him. Why doesn't the world just leave believers alone? Because you have the message. They'll do everything they can to silence you, but you have the message. What effect does the coming of Jesus have on the world? It increased their guilt. They have no excuse for rejecting him. This week during Bible Conference, we'll be challenged to look at the fields will be challenged to go out into the Lord's harvest and share Christ to a lost and dying world. However, we should know something about the opposition. If you present Jesus as the only answer to man's eternal needs, Satan will do everything he can to silence you. Many will reject you. But it's okay, because that's the way it's supposed to be. However, by God's grace, some will accept the gospel because Jesus said, I have overcome the world. Father, thank you so much for the truth of your word. This is a hard message for us to comprehend, but we recognize that you have placed us in this world for a reason to be a voice, to carry a message, to exalt our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray these things in his name. Amen.